Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. All right, welcome to the 30th episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to be the best professional you can be. I am so excited for today because we're going to delve into the art of informational interviews. And as a job seeker, when you hear that phrase, your ears should really perk up because this is such an underutilized resource. Guys, we're talking about the conversations that can lead to job opportunities. And you know how much blindly applying to job postings can be painful, and it really can feel like a waste of time. But with informational interviews, you're having conversations that can serve a dual purpose in helping you to learn and grow in your professional development. So really, it's a much more effective strategy, and it's something that should be in every career warrior's arsenal. I am proud to bring on Mac Pritchard, who is a true authority in informational interviews. Mac Pritchard founded MaxList, an online platform that connects job seekers with meaningful work opportunities in Portland. Mac has taught both employers and job seekers to build a better job search landscape through books, events, courses, and even his very own weekly career advice podcast, Find Your Dream Job. Mac, a graduate from the University of Iowa and Harvard University, built two small businesses through a foundation of networking. He has taught thousands of people how to grow their careers through relationships. To take a passage from his bio, Mac shows both job seekers and employers how to break down the barriers between them by teaching preparation, empathy, and people-focused hiring practices with a practical nuts and bolts style that's accessible for everyone. Guys, we have a true genius here who has years of experience and wisdom, so I can't wait any longer. Let's hear from him on how you can use informational interviews in your job search. So without further ado, here's our 30th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Mac, it's good to have you on. How are you doing today? Well, it's a pleasure to be on the show, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And I just wanted to let you know and everyone on the air listening how much I love what you're doing with your own podcast. I can't believe you're at a hundred something episodes right now. You're you're making me look like a baby over here. So you'll you're catching up. You'll be there before you know it. We just started our fourth year of production and it's a lot Gosh. of fun. It's like anything, like a blog or uh running a, a publication. You gotta show up every every in our case every week, but uh, before you know it, the time goes by, and the pleasure that we get is it's another way of serving the people who sure. uh, want to learn how to get good at job hunting as a skill. Absolutely. I'm just so impressed. And I want to ask for the people who aren't familiar with you, just if you can talk a little bit about your background and how you got involved in helping people with their careers. Well, my career has been in communications and politics and government, and in addition to MaxList, I run a public relations firm that serves foundations, nonprofits, and public agencies, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but across the country. That company is called Pritchard Communications. And Pritchard and, and MaxList are both B Corps, uh, benefit corporations, Chris. They're part of that global movement of business as a force for social good because one of the constants in my career, and I've had a lot of different jobs over the years, has been trying to make a difference about issues I care about and mm -hmm. in the community where I, I live and work. So I've done that uh, by working in communications for elected officials in, in Oregon, as well as for public agencies and nonprofits and other social change organizations in uh, Oregon and, and New England and the Midwest where I grew up. Mm -hmm. 
and I would just add that part of what the reason I'm MaxList came to be about is because I like helping people, and mm. helping people find work is is very satisfying, and it, it 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 makes such a huge difference in somebody's life when they find a job they can love and and thrive in. It's so personal, and I'm glad you brought that up about really wanting to help people because I had somebody there on the phone with me yesterday. They asked, like, why did you start a resume service? Do you, do you really like resumes? I'm like, they're, they're cool, but I'm not obsessed with resumes. Like, what I'm obsessed with is, like, that feeling of satisfaction you get when people are really, really struggling in their job search, and then they finally get back to you after, you know, weeks of effort and say, hey, I finally got my, I finally got my dream job, and that's such a good feeling. And it's so personal, like you said, because people's financial interests are tied to it. It's like their, their, their life's purpose. So I think what we're doing, Mac is, is really important. And I, I really love kind of the, the personal aspect of helping people. And, and I would also add, Chris, I have been out of work twice in my career uh, for long periods, once for mm-hmm. seven months, another time for nine months. So I know what it's like to cash the last unemployment check, and those experiences have taught me several lessons. One is the importance of getting good at job hunting and learning how to do it well, because all of us are will change jobs a number of times in our career. The other lesson I, I got from those experiences was that people really do want to be helpful when you're looking for work, and most of the people you meet in a job search, 99%, um, do want to support you. The, sure. And we're going to talk more about this, I know, but the the clearer you are about what you want and uh, how people can help you, the easier you make it for people to say yes and the faster you're going to get to that job. Because as you say, it's, it's so satisfying for people like us who help folks get this work, uh, work they can love, because it's, it's not only gratifying to get to do work that you like, but it's also it just, it's, it's good for your health and it's, it's good uh, for the community. Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue into informational interviews. And I wanted to quickly define what informational interviews are first for the people who may not be that familiar, but you know, what are we talking about Mac when we're referencing this special type of interview? It's a business meeting and it is typically a conversation that runs between 20 and 30 minutes. And you ask to see someone because they've got some insight or piece of knowledge that's going to be helpful to you in making a decision about your career or your job search. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people approach this um, wanting to get together for coffee or to pick someone's brain. And, and that's a good place to start. But if you're going to get... Um, as much value as possible from these conversations before you walk in the door or reach even reach out to someone you have to know why you want to see this person and how they might be helpful okay that's a really good picture you're painting and i'm wondering we had a good pre-conversation before this podcast about how informational interviews were um a really good tool for you and your own personal life. But I was wondering if you'd be able to share any successful or possibly any unsuccessful informational informational interview stories from your, your career. Well, as I mentioned, I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I lived on the East Coast for 11 years before I came to Oregon, where I live now. Came out here in 1991 after finishing graduate school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I had this idea, Chris, in when I was a graduate student, 
that I wanted to live and work um, in Oregon and get involved in politics here. And, and uh, so I'm sitting in Boston uh, with that notion. And here's the challenge. I've never actually been to Oregon. And so this is 1990, <laughs> 1991. It's a pre-internet. Uh, so uh, I make this choice in January of, of 91. And in August, I have a job at City Hall in Portland, working as communications director for a mayoral candidate who's serving on the city council. And people, when I moved here, said, how did you make that happen? Because uh, you were in Boston. Uh, I don't think you had ever been here. And by the way, the job was never posted. And the way I, I did it was through informational interviews. And between January and, and June of that year, Chris, I probably had about 100 conversations with people involved in the, the fields I wanted to work in, politics, oh, government, wow. and communications. Uh, but the, the benefit of that to me <clears throat> was it helped me uncover jobs that were never advertised. It helped me build relationships with people in a state where I'd never lived or worked. And it gave me insights into what employers in the field I wanted to work for um, wanted, what was important to them. And so but once I started identifying jobs and became a candidate, I had an advantage over other applicants because I knew what challenges employers uh, faced um, when it came time to negotiate salary and other terms. I knew what the market paid and it uh, that none of that would have happened without informational interviews. I'll add something else. Um, Oregon is my home, and mm-hmm. of those dozens, almost 100 people that I met during that year, because I've largely stayed in my field and and haven't left Portland, I keep running across those people all the time. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> what I did <laughs> uh, was create a community and some sure. of those people I, I don't know particularly well anymore. Some of them over the course of the last 20 plus years I ended up working with. Some worked for me. I worked for them. So I, when you you take the time to have these conversations and do them right, you're not only getting insights into jobs and what matters to employers, you're creating a community that will continue to serve you well in, in the years that follow. Right. And funny enough, my next question was to talk about kind of the why to have informational interviews. But I think with that story, you've you've already really covered why it can be so important. It's it's really you're building a network and you're learning. And for especially people who haven't necessarily had a position before, so possibly they're career changers. I think this is one of the best opportunities to make a good transition, because I think a lot of people are just blindly you know saying they're like oh i want to transition to the healthcare now so i'm just going to start you know i'm going to get a good healthcare resume and just start shooting out my resume and hopefully it goes well but that's not the best way to do it and i think what you touched upon was just so important yeah i would also add in addition to how informational interviews can help you uncover jobs that may never be advertised another important principle to remember about hiring is the the power of referrals. So Mm -hmm. if uh, there's research out there that shows when employers are considering candidates, both for interviews and uh, for uh, uh, to to whom they might make a final offer, if you have some, a a referral from a a colleague or 
uh, another company that is trusted by that employer, uh, it can not only get you in the door, but it can get you the job. And okay. it can be a very, what is often called a weak tie uh, that might result from an informational interview, but it is so powerful in hiring because in the end, employers hire people they know and trust uh, or who are recommended to them by people they know and trust. And you can leverage and take advantage of that principle uh, if you uh, are doing informa- informational interviews in a thoughtful, strategic way. Excellent. So let's talk about that thoughtful, strategic way. And so say you've convinced me, you've convinced every other person on this podcast that they need to do an informational interview. But I kind of want to talk about the approach and possibly an attitude. But as a job seeker, what's really a good attitude to have versus maybe a not a kind of a bad attitude when scouting for informational interviews? Because I don't want to go to every single employer and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. I don't want to come off as desperate or anything else like that. But what's what's really a good good approach, do you think, Mac? It starts with your goals, Chris. You have to know what you want. And I, I get it. This is probably one of the hardest parts of a job search, being able to tell people I'm looking for opportunities in fill in the blank. And often, because it's so hard, people default to when asked what they want. I'm leaving my options open. I want to I want to keep all the doors. Uh, I, I'm open to any possibility. Okay. Here's the problem with that. As you know, if you're open to everything, mm-hmm. you make it almost impossible for others to help you because they don't know who to suggest you might talk to. They might have insights into a job or a company that that interests you, but you'll never know that if you tell them you're open to everything. But you know, I'm in Portland, Oregon. If somebody tells me they want to work in marketing uh, at Nike, that's very specific. Or maybe they want to work in the uh, sports apparel industry. Um, when you say something like that, it triggers in the people you talk to ideas and thoughts that can be helpful to you. So start with your goals. That's sure. where you have to begin. That's awesome. I'm always telling people to be targeted, like write a targeted resume. Don't write something that just has every experience you've ever had. You know, try to hone in on what you want to get. And I tell people who don't know the positions they want to get, maybe you should spend some time thinking about the positions that that you think you would do well in. Yeah. And one of the huge benefits of informational interviews is that you can, particularly if you want to make a career change or if you're breaking into Mm -hmm. a new market, identify people who are doing that work or who made that career switch and go and talk to them and ask them about their experiences, how did they do it, what challenges did they face, what objections did they hear from employers about their candidacy when they applied for jobs, say, in a new field, or mm-hmm. uh, when they came to town and they were new in the market, how did they overcome those objections? Uh, and you'll get insights into what matters to employers, uh, and you'll be able to position yourself better as a stronger candidate, both in your application materials and in your interviews when you start talking to employers about actual positions. So Mac, I want to talk about that first step. So let's just say I move to your city in Portland. I am so excited, but I literally know nobody. And let's say that I do want to take this informational interview route. How do I find the right people to start having these conversations? Would you have an example of the profession or or what the job search goal might be, Chris? Yeah. So let's say I'm, I am looking for a job within software development, for instance, 
and um, I am in the middle of my job search, and I am I'm really looking to get that first job um, as an entry as an entry level software developer. Well, first of all, it's terrific that you've got such a clear goal. So being able to say that I'm looking for an entry level position in software development, and if you could get even more specific than that. Um, that is huge. And here's why it's huge. Because once you're able to say that in a sentence or two, then you can find out which companies offer those positions. And then you can make a list of those employers. Uh, and it's a, it's a finite universe, Chris. There can't be, no matter how large the city, that many companies. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 100, maybe it's 150. Uh, sure. But then it becomes a research project. Okay, uh, who offers these positions? What are they looking for uh, with when they hire entry-level people? Who can tell me about this? And so to find the people who can give you insights and advice about how to break in to this field as an entry-level employee and who are the best employers to work for, you want to do a number of things. Um, first, look at the professional associations in that field. Uh, and there is there are certain Great. to be two, two or three national organizations, whatever the occupation, that have local chapters uh, that where people get together who do that work. Sometimes they have monthly programs. Sometimes it's an annual conference. But find out where those people hang out professionally. In addition to uh, formal membership organizations, meetups are just ubiquitous and are often a great place to find people who are doing the work. It's more informal, the smaller, but it's still valuable. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn. I, I think online databases are, are important. So if you've got a list of companies uh, that people have told you are great places to work, you be can begin to look for connections, uh, either first degree connections inside those firms or people you know who know people inside those companies. I'm also a big believer in university databases to tap mm. into this. Uh, alumni databases are so powerful. Uh, oh, yeah. And chances are there are people who went to your university uh, who are working in the field and often at the companies where you want to be. So yeah. reach out to them. I love that. I uh, There is even a... Uh... I went to Cornell and there was a, a Facebook group, uh, Cornell alumni in Austin, and um, they have events twice a month and just not even trying to network or anything, just to go in and, and network and have conversations with people who graduated years before me. And it's, it's really amazing to see really the um, helpful attitude. Like these people actually want to help you because they're one of your own. Yeah. So I remember having a conversation with one of the gentlemen there and he, he was just so interested to see about my business and what I was doing with the podcast. And instantly his mind went to, Hey, like I know this person, this person, maybe I can introduce you because I think they'd be a great guest in your show. And, you know, I'm not even, not even asking. And I really, I really do believe in what you're saying about those alumni groups and those organizations. And, um, I think there really is for me, I'm, I'm biased here, but really there is no better way to connect with people and to further your, your career. Especially so. if you're new in town and you're reaching out to fellow grads from a university that's out of state, there's, a, mm -hmm. I think, a special bond there. So let's delve into the world of online reach out messages, whether that be email or LinkedIn in-mail messages. And 
I imagine that a lot of these job seekers may be reaching out to people online through these resources. And I think that's really intimidating for a lot of people. So sometimes they just sit in front of the computer screen. They say, hey, I literally don't even know what to start saying. But Mac, in your experience, what has a good reach out message? um, What does a good reach out message look like, do you think? It starts with your why. Why do you want to see this person? What is it that you hope to get from this meeting? And I think a lot of people, Chris, get stuck because they're unclear how both to organize and run these meetings and what a successful informational interview looks like. And the result at when you leave the conversation isn't that somebody has offered you a job because that's not going to happen. Uh, the reason you have these meetings is because the person you want to see has either insights into the field, knowledge about how to uh, uh, find a position or make a career switch, or they're, they're leaders who can introduce you to people uh, in companies where you might want to work or find out more about why you want to work there. So w- with those goals in mind and, uh, and, and, and those results in mind, you want to write a, a, a an email that is short and is clear about what you want. And ah. it, it is, uh, if you like, we can walk through what that might look like. I, you know, in fact, the reason I want to delve into this so much is because I've just gotten so many questions about it. And what would that look like? Subject line is very functional. It's, uh, yeah, it could take one of two forms. It could be, uh, you know, it could be Mac Pritchard sent me or suggested I reach out to you or, Request for an informational interview. And it's a just the facts man Great. style. Great. Uh, hi, Chris. Um, uh, I'm writing to you at the suggestion of Mac Pritchard. I'm currently doing a job search. I'm exploring opportunities in Austin, Texas, looking for positions in uh, writing and marketing. As you can see from the attached resume, I've had uh, considerable experience in this field. Mac thought you. Uh, might be willing to meet with me for 20 to 30 minutes. I'd like to talk to you about opportunities in the field of, of writing and get your sense of the lay of the land and, and suggestions about other people I might meet with. I'm available on typically on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 5. However, I'm happy to accommodate your schedule as well. Let me know what might work for you. Uh, yeah. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. All right, guys. I want you to pause the podcast rewind and listen to what Mag just said, because that was just so straightforward and so simple in terms of a reach out message. And I know a lot of you guys definitely get bogged down in, in terms of not knowing what to say, but I think there were two really good things about what Mac mentioned. The first thing was that in this reach in this reach out message, he was very forthright about what he wanted. Really what you want to do is really be forthright about what you're trying to learn from the conversation. And the second thing that he did was he talked about availability, which I think is great. So I think that's fantastic. And I think a lot of people need to start using this approach a little bit more. And anything you wanted to say or add to that, Mac? I did mention that, you know, I, you'd be willing to come to the person's office. I think saying that is uh, always helpful. Uh, the second thing I would say is I didn't use the phrases, pick your brain or can we meet for coffee? And, Mm. and I, and I say this respectfully, Chris, um, I think some people, because they don't know, they just haven't learned yet how to organize these meetings and, and, 
uh, to get clear about their ask. Um, sure. They they want to have the conversation, and they, uh, but they they're not quite sure how to organize it, so they default to, well, let's get together and talk, and maybe something will come out of it. You're in charge. It's your business meeting. If you want people to say yes, uh, you've got to be very clear about what you want and how they can help you. And if you do that, I, my experience has been, ninety nine percent of the people you contact. Uh, will will say yes if you're clear about what you want, where you want to meet, when, and uh, how long the conversation's going to last, uh, you will get a, a positive response. Great. And what if you don't get a response? <laughs> so I would just encourage your listeners to think about how many emails they get and all, and their own good intentions about getting back to people. So I think People don't get a response for one of two reasons. One is they have a very unclear request. And um, if if you say, uh, well, let's get together for coffee, and that's all you ask for, thoughts going through the, the head of the recipient of that note are, are, are include things like, well, so we're going to meet at a Starbucks. Uh, how long are we <laughs> going to get together? What is this about? Uh, this sounds like an hour, hour and a half if you throw in drive yeah. time. I'm not sure I can do that. I'll think about this later. Okay. And uh, so if you're very specific, I, I, you, you remove those objections. The second thing that happens is people just get busy. Think how many emails you get. So uh, even when you write a very specific request, you might not hear back. But I'm a big believer in the rule of three. Um, so you send the first message and you wait a week. Sure. And uh, you go back to your original message and you just change the subject line following up on my note and then uh, you write above the original message. Uh, hey, Chris, you uh, just wanted to follow up on my note below. I'm still available on these dates uh, or, you know, here are some new dates when I'm available. would love to get together and uh, would look forward to hearing from you. My experience has been most people respond to that second note. Okay. You can't make it a third attempt. I'd wait about two more weeks, and I'd keep it very brief. Hey, I know you're really busy and may, uh, would love to get together. Don't want to be a pest. I'll wait to hear from you. Sometimes people don't turn on the auto-reply. They're on vacation. They're just overwhelmed. So sure. uh, don't don't take it personally if you don't hear after the third attempt. Just recognize that they may have something going on and just move on. Great. Mac, your answers so far have been very specific, which I love because I think a lot of people, they, you know, they get the advice, you know, informational interviews are good and you should attack them or start chasing after them. But I think a lot of people don't really know what that looks like. But I think the way you're painting the stories and the way you're kind of describing how communication would look is just so helpful for listeners. So I appreciate that. And I'll get a little bit more, a little bit more specific here, but I'll ask a series of kind of mini questions on how to kind of have an ideal informational interview. But is there an ideal location, do you think, to have these conversations? I think it's in the office of the person you want to meet because you're making it mm. convenient for them. Uh, they may suggest uh, a coffee shop or even a restaurant uh, if they uh, but let them propose that. My recommendation is you just default to coming to the person's office because that eliminates any travel time. Great. And what do I wear? I think that you spend a little time looking at the company website 
And mm. if it's a law office, you probably should wait, dress like a, an attorney, uh, particularly if you are talking to somebody because you're working in that field. Uh, but it's not a formal job interview. I, I think most uh, offices today follow business casual, but you want to mirror the culture of the of the office itself and while being true to your own personal style and professionalism. Yeah, it's, it's good to kind of draw the parallels because I think for a lot of people, they've only really done just the formal interviews. So I think knowing how informational interviews can be different um, are great, but there are a lot of similarities I've noticed. So yeah, um, it's a business meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a fellow come by once. Um, I think he was doing a, a century ride that day and he was in bicycle togs and sweating that don't do that. <laughs> I felt like I was squeezed in between his, uh, his half century. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is a business meeting. You need to dress accordingly. Okay, great. So, uh, one thing you covered already was the preparation that should be done before an informational interview. Like you're not just doing this blindly. I think that would be a big mistake. Well, I'd like to touch a little more about preparation. Again, what is the reason sure. you want the sure, meeting? Sure, please. Uh, and so you do need to spend some time uh, uh, looking at the person's background, perhaps their website, uh, maybe they have a blog. Uh, this is not a, a term paper, but you don't want to ask questions that you could get answers to by doing a quick Google search or review of someone's LinkedIn profile. You want to go deeper than that. That's the purpose of the conversation. Uh, so okay. be clear about the insights that you hope to get, maybe the introductions you'd like the person to make. Um, you know, if if this some if this person knows two or three people, uh, you can tell this by LinkedIn that you'd like to meet. Come prepared to say, hey, I see on LinkedIn that you know um, Mary and Harry and Tom, and uh, would you be willing to make an introduction for me? Have an ask before you walk into the meeting. Uh, you've got to okay. have an ask and have it clearly identified. Um, so pay attention to preparation. And in terms of the, the meeting itself, I think it's important, Chris, to remember that a good informational interview has three parts. The first part is sharing your goals and and your story. And you can do that in three to five minutes and it's important to do that at, at, at the start because that gives the uh, the person you're meeting with some context. Um, they may have made this appointment some weeks before. You're on the calendar, but, and I say this respectfully, they they're just, they don't remember. Uh, and so you want to make it, uh, remind them why you're there and what you hope to get from the meeting. Second, uh, in a good informational interview, you want to walk into the room with a set of questions. There's a reason why you want to meet this person. There's some insights that you hope that they will give you, either in making a career change, uh, learning what's happening at a particular company, how to break into a new market. Whatever those uh, insights are, identify them in advance. And it's okay to have a a set of questions, three to five questions typed out or written out on a pad. Bring a notepad. Take notes when people talk because uh, it'll help you remember. But candidly, People love it when you ask them for advice, and they really love it when you write down what you what they say, and um, that's that will encourage the the flow of the conversation. And by taking notes, I think you'll uh, you'll have better recollection as well. Uh, the third thing you want to do in an informational interview 
is ask for introductions uh, to other people. And you, it may be that, as I mentioned earlier, you've identified two or three people you know this person uh, has worked with or is connected with on LinkedIn. And it, uh, introductions like this can be so powerful, uh, particularly in reaching out to people who may be very busy or, or prominent. Uh, so have that, think about that. And if you haven't identified someone in advance, it's okay to say, hey, I, uh, are there other people you might suggest I talk to? If you've done a good job of sharing your goals and you've asked smart questions, that will get the person you meet with uh, to think about those sorts of folks. And frankly, if you're running the meeting well, uh, they're much more likely to make those introductions. Now, those are the three parts. When you leave the room, uh, here's what success looks like. Uh, You've shared your story and your goals. This person knows who you are and what you want. The second thing you've accomplished is you've gotten some insights into who might be hiring, who are the leaders in your in your field, how to make a career change, how to break into a new market, whatever your needs are, you've you've gotten uh, new insights. And the third thing is you've gotten some introductions or suggestions about other people you might continue to to grow and add to your network. Uh, you haven't gotten a job offer, but that's not the point of the meeting. Uh, This is a research project, but it's also about growing your own network because that's how you find the jobs that never get posted, and that's how you get the referrals to hiring managers that are going to help you when you are a candidate for positions. And if you you plan this meeting before you have it, and if you run this meeting as you do if you're in in any business, uh, Mm -hmm. you know what you want to get from the conversation. You know you're not there to ask for a job. Or, or to hope that this person's going to open a drawer and take out a posting that nobody else knows about. Uh, you're there to share your story and your goals, get insights into the work you want to do, and, and ask for introductions to others. Do those three things. It's going to help you a lot because while we haven't talked about this, Chris, I think you've touched on the fact that many jobs aren't uh, posted. And we've also talked about the power of referrals and hiring. But to just talk about that hidden job market for a moment, there are estimates out there that anywhere between 40 to 80% of all jobs never get advertised. We can talk about the that range, but think Gosh. about how you spend your time. I'm sure that you talk to a lot of job seekers, I certainly do, who spend 100% of their time on job boards. You, I Sad. run a job board. I'm proud of the value it offers. I want you to visit it if you're in the Pacific Northwest uh, we have lots of good content about job hunting, too, so you come one and all. But step away from the computer. Uh, you need to be spending uh, you know, probably 20 or 30% of your time on job boards and the rest of your time doing informational interviews, uh, volunteering in your field, and getting out and talking to people because most jobs get filled by word of mouth. And you've got to have a strategy for um, plugging into that system. Gosh, and that's such a powerful piece of advice. And once again, career warriors, pause this episode, rewind and listen to what Max said, because I think for a lot of you, you could end up making such a big improvement in your job search by just switching the amount of time from those job postings to actually getting out there in the real world. And um, there's just so much to cover here. And we'll, we'll probably have to do another episode for this in the future, because there are just so many questions come to mind, like, you know, how, how do you really harness this power as, as somebody who may be introverted or somebody who's nervous about this? 
So this is actually, I'm taking notes right now um, and I'm gonna get a lot of really good questions for follow-up questions for this. But for the sake of time, Mac, I wanna make sure we have enough time to talk about um, a little bit about you and the resources you have to offer for job seekers. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to hear what is what any any kind of closing words of advice for job seekers who are wanting to have a really successful informational interview. I think for anybody doing a job search, my number one piece of advice is don't wait to be picked. And mm. too many people, uh, they they they're interested in going to a company, so they look at that company's website on a regular basis, or they, they follow several job boards and they look for postings from that firm. And that's good. You should do that. Um, mm-hmm. and kudos to you for knowing you want to be at a particular firm, but you got to do more. You, um, because again, you need to know how hiring works because if you understand how a system works, then you can make that system work for you. And, it, and what you've got to understand about hiring is that employers manage risk when they hire because it's so expensive and yeah. not good for either party when you make a mistake, either the both the company and, no. and the candidate. Nobody likes that. So how do managers uh, try to uh, manage that risk? They uh, turn to people they know or they turn to people who are recommended to them by uh, people they trust. And informational interviews are a great way to plug into that system and become part of someone's network because um, we can all grow our networks. We may be new in town. We might be right out of college, uh, but and we might want to break into a new field, but we all have the opportunity through informational interviews and other skills to grow mm-hmm. our network and leverage those relationships to get to where we want to go. Well, Mac Pritchard, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest on this podcast, and I can't thank you enough for having you. How can I find out more about you and the resources you have to offer? Encourage your listeners to visit our website, maxlist.org. We do have mm-hmm. a job board that serves people in the Pacific Northwest, but we have so much good content about job hunting uh, that, uh, uh, that people can use wherever they live. Because again, we recognize as a job board operator that most jobs are, are never posted. And we want the people we serve to have the opportunity to find and get those positions. Sure. I also host a, a podcast, as you know, Chris, Find Your Dream Job. And we publish every Wednesday I, each week. I talk to a different expert uh, about careers and job hunting. And you can find that at the MaxList website or on iTunes. And we do offer a course about how to find and get hidden jobs. And you can, your listeners can go to... Uh, maxlist.org slash career warrior to find that, uh, find out more about that course and how it can help them not only with informational interviews, but to find and get the, uh, these jobs that never get posted. That's great. So what, what am I going to get with this course? I'm very, I get excited. Is it like, um, it's like a PDF guide or, or is it audio? It's 12 video modules with a set of worksheets and, uh, we also have a Facebook group where people meet uh, with myself and the and the staff, and uh, so people can work through the modules on their own pace. Uh, but they can also get feedback from the Maxlist team through the Facebook group, and we offer it four times a year. We open it up. Okay, and so you said it's free to get started with this. 
Uh, yes, you can go to the website and and see an introduction to the course. But uh, we do actually charge for the course. I imagine so. It sounds like just so much value to offer for job seekers. And if I know if I was in the position, I'd be signing up right now. So guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop the actual URL in the description of this podcast. And if you are listening to this through our blog article, you should see that resource at the bottom of the blog. But highly recommend you guys to not only check out this resource, but listen to what Mac has to say on his podcast. There are plenty of other topics that we don't cover in the Career Warrior podcast that I think a lot of you guys would benefit from. So Mac is part of my network. In a way, this was an informational interview. So I really want to make sure that we are able to kind of utilize the power of networking connection to all help each other out. So Mac, I welcome you to a part of our network and our community of career warriors. You've been absolutely fantastic and not just saying that, but just because the stories you uh, brought to the table and the specific advice I think is going to touch lives here to have you come on here and talk about something so powerful as informational interviews, I think is fantastic. So, so thanks for joining us and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate being a guest on your show and you're doing great work as well. So keep it up. Thanks, Mac. And for more on your job search, make sure to check out letseatgrandma.com. That's where you can find our blog, where we post the podcast show notes and so many more articles that will help you in your job search. You can also check out our resume services if you are interested in getting your resume professionally reworked. And please make sure to show us some love by jumping onto iTunes and leaving us a rating. The support from my fellow warriors will show the world how great this podcast is and help other people in their job search. Pay it forward. Thanks, guys, for being true warriors, and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.